Good to see you all. Uh, man, speaking of rest, that music will put you to sleep right there, won't it? So we are talking about redeeming rest. No, that does not mean you get to sleep during church service. I will call you out from the pulpit if you start saying, no, I'm just kidding, I won't do that. Uh, so grateful to be back. Last Sunday I was gone. Uh, Josiah, Chris Small, and myself were in Salt Lake City, Utah, scouting out a mission opportunity. Look forward to hopefully sharing with that in a theater near you. Uh, but so grateful for guys like Brad Johnson who's come and able to fill in and just complete a series we were doing. So, so grateful for that. So uh, we are starting a new series called Redeeming Rest. I'll explain that in just a minute for, for you and hopefully explain where we're going with that over the next six weeks. But before that, just to kind of set up today, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, maybe the person you came with today, maybe someone you just met today, someone close by, would you just take a split second and just discuss this? What is the most restful thing you've ever done? What's the most restful thing you've ever done? Take a second. Don't look at me anymore. If you're not following crowd response here, the person next to you discuss that. What's the most restful thing you've ever done? And if it's sleep through Eric's sermon, I need you to walk the aisle at the end of the service and we need to talk. That's not what... Uh... It got quiet all of a sudden. That was, you know, many of you don't know how to rest. Okay, it's a great sermon series for you, obviously. Uh, I don't know where you just escaped to in your story. Some of you maybe escaped to mountains. You just told a story about that or the ocean or, or some lake or fishing somewhere or something like that. Uh, for me, I, I, a full confession, the most restful thing I've ever did in my life is get COVID. Uh, weird to say from the pulpit, but just being honest. Uh, in 2021, we came back from Falls Creek, a week-long uh, camp for kids and stuff like that. Uh, my kids were at my mother-in-law's being watched by her all week, and Emily and I, my wife, were at camp, and we came back and tested positive for COVID. And so that was when things were pretty serious, and we were on lockdown, and so my kids stayed with my mother-in-law for another 10 days, which she was not overly thrilled about, uh, and we got locked into, uh, we, we were between houses at that point, living with my in-laws. Yes, that's a punishment for sins as well. Uh, but uh, we were living with my in-laws for a while, and right next door were my parents, and so we stayed in their guest room there. And, and the strangest thing for us is I was sick as a dog. My wife was more than fine, but she had tested positive. But, but after the first few days, like, we were forced to stay in a room for 10 days and do nothing. And I struggled for the first five, six, seven days. But after that, there was something that happened for us that I, I just can't begin to describe. It, it was just a stoppage, J just rest. And Emily and I still this day, weirdly enough, and I know many of you have different stories. And I'm not trying to make light of COVID. For us, it was a weird thing how God used that to teach us something, to teach us about rest and what it looked like. It was a very profound thing for our marriage, even in that. I have difficulty being still. I, I struggle stopping. I'm always going. Matter of fact, Josiah just got back from a, a trip to Florida with some family and stuff, and me and him laughed because they like to, their family and stuff likes to lay on the beach and stuff. For us, we're like, after two hours on the beach doing nothing, we're like, this is boring. Like, we need to go find something, we need to go explore, we, we, there's something we've got to do. Like, sitting on the mountains just looking at stuff, or sitting on a beach and just reading a book sounds terrible. I mean, like, seriously, you've got to be doing something. I'm, I'm a guy that constantly am going. To the point that sometimes for me, the only way I can turn off thinking about work and other stuff is stopping is by consuming my mind with other things. 
My, my weeks sometimes fill in on Wednesday nights I play basketball, and that's something for me after church that is a way for me to disconnect and just stop my mind. Mowing the yard, weirdly enough. I know people hate it. I hate it too, but for me it's a way to stop. I, I struggle with it. And some of you maybe can identify with that statement as well. As a matter of fact, uh, a book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I strongly recommend, a great read. He talks about why this is. And so does a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. He talked about in 1979, the average American works, sorry, the average American works more, nearly four more weeks per year than they did in 1979. Four more weeks per year. We're putting in more and more hours. As a matter of fact, I read in there as well that before Thomas Edison created the light bulb and all that sort of stuff, the average person slept 11 hours a night. Can you even imagine, parents? Would that not be heavenly to sleep 11 hours a night for some of us? The reason for this, I think Dr. Henry Cloud talks about in his book, Boundaries, he says this, because our technological revolution has blurred the lines so we're now with cell phones, with internet, with emails. There, there's no disconnect between work and life. There's none of this nine-to-five business. It's suddenly nine-to-five, and if my boss or my life needs to get control of me, it can continue to connect after and after and keeps going. There, there's, there's just a blurge of what's going on. And this is affecting our teenagers, too. A recent study found out that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times per day. If you're an Android phone, no one likes Android, so you don't ever touch your phone, right? <laughs> Sorry, Matt guy up here. The, the goal with this next six-week series is about redeeming rest. That's what we're talking about. And it's exploring the theology behind the practice of resting. What, what does that look like? Because if we're honest with ourselves, we live in a culture that celebrates overworking. And you are applauded if you never stop, if you have ambition and driven. But when we read scripture, God shows us something different, a different rhythm to life that we kind of rebel and we don't elevate. And, and it's stopping. It's resting. There's, there's a rhythm of life we're going with that God did not create. And it's important that we go back and look at that. For me personally, you wonder why we bring this up. I'll just be honest. What's coming up with me? Uh, coming up for me, built into the calendar when they hired me as the pastor here, is every four years they wanted me to take a sabbatical break. And so this October, November, I'm going to be taking two months off, and we'll have everything continue to be going as well, but it's time for me to stop. And it's not that my job's more important than any of yours or anything like that, but I've been doing ministry for 20 years, every Sunday and Wednesday, never stopping doing it. For me to stop is going to be difficult. And it's a way of health for us in the church and to see that, one, this church can survive without me, and you guys to see that as well. It's so important that we learn that. For us personally, when it comes to Sabbath rhythm and comes to rest is this. Listen, you need to understand, your relationship with God, your witness to the world, and your longevity in ministry, and even just truly experiencing the gospel, all hinge on our ability to rest well. And I want to teach you that through this next six-week series. And so, so there's six questions we're going to tackle over this series, and here's what it is. What does it mean to stop? What, what if I just can't stop working? Well, what is the purpose of rest? Does rest matter if it only affects me? Like, what if rest is a burden? What if, what if it's more a burden to stop than to just to keep going? And lastly, we'll look at how do I find rest? That's where we're going with this series. And so for some of you, I hope this truly challenges you. For every one of you, I hope you don't take this as saying, well, I need to rest from church and godly things and realize it's the other aspects of your life that God wants to get a hold of. And so today's question we're going to tackle is this. What does it mean to rest? And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. We'll look at that. And the big idea I want to unpack and teach you through this text today is this. Here it is. What does it mean to rest? The answer is this. Rest is stopping what you've been doing to enjoy what God has already done. 
I, I hope you get that truth when we're done. When you come to say, what does it look like for me to Sabbath, that we have a day of rest, that this should be what it is right here. It, it, it's stopping what you've been doing to enjoy what God has already done. And to appreciate and understand that, we have to read Genesis chapter 1, when God created the foundations of the heavens and the earth, and what rhythm he built in his life. And so, I was going to be honest with you, we're going to read all Genesis 1, just to understand what God had been doing to set context, but we're going to be unpacking chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, for us today, like, what do we actually do with this, okay? So, so you tracking with me here? Uh, so let's follow along. Here we go, Genesis chapter 1, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and then there was light. And God saw the light was good, and, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters, separating the water from the water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under and the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky. And evening came, then morning, and then the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the water. He called seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on earth, bearing fruit with seeds, and it's according to their kinds. And it was so. And the earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed, and according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And evening came, then morning and the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let the serve as signs for the seasons, for the days and years. There will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, and the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on earth, to rule the day and night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, and then the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them. That's the first time God blessed anything we see in Scripture. It's interesting. It says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds multiply on earth. Evening came and then morning came and the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let's make man in our image according to our likeness, and they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and creatures that crawl on earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and said, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on earth. And God said, look, I've given every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature uh, that crawls on the earth, every, everything having breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw that he had made, and it was very good indeed. I love, he finishes his work, and what he says, I mean, this, is, this is very good. God's like, it's good? No, this is very good. 
a lot of busy work going on. And it says, an evening came and the morning came the sixth day. And starting in chapter 2, verse 1, we see a change. It says, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were what? Completed. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Man, a lot going on here. I'm not going to get a scientific argument with you right now on creation, all sorts of stuff. This is not what this sermon is about. There's other sermons we've had you can address and look at that. If you want to dialogue later, hey, I can give you about a C-minus answer. That's what I got in college, so that's what I'm telling you right now if you want to discuss it later. But today we're talking about rest. I want you to see the busy work, everything God was doing, his intentionality of the week, but yet he comes to a seventh day and something changes. It says, God rested. As a matter of fact, the outline of we go is we're unpacking this big idea of rest is stopping what you've been doing to enjoy what God has already done. We're looking at the example God set. And there's three questions we're going to answer through this that might pop in your mind. It did for mine. Number one is this, like, why did God rest? Think about that for a second. Second question is, how did God rest? And the third thing is your take home that I'm going to give you is this, is, well, when it comes to me, how do I rest like God did? So let's start with the first one, unpack that, like, why did God rest? Have you ever thought about that? Why, why did God rest? Did God get tired? I mean, why, why do we rest? Because we're exhausted. We've reached the end of ourselves. We can't anymore. Like, well, what kind of God is this that gets tired? The answer is no. God is, does not get tired. There's a theological word we use in church called omnipotent, which means that God is all-powerful. Omni being all-powerful. God is all-powerful. In other words, God can't get tired. If you grew up in the church, you might be familiar with this song, and maybe you can help me finish it right here, okay? It goes like this. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Toot, toot, right? Anybody? That's how you know you grew up in Sunday school. If you're, if you're, if you're, this is your first time at church, like, this is a cult. It's not. We just sing weird songs, okay? The, the whole theological truth, like, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's, there's nothing my God cannot do. God didn't rest because he's tired, and Scripture even supports this. Like Jeremiah 32, 17, I just want you to listen to what he says. It says, O Lord God, you yourself made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Listen, nothing is too difficult for you. Like God didn't get through day six, like, oh my goodness, man, those giraffes. <laughs> like, that was, a, that was a tough one right there. Or, or the duckbill platypus, who saw that coming, right? Like, I didn't know what I was doing there, uh, you know. Like, he didn't get to the end and was difficult or tired. It, God had just completed. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31, he says this. It says, do you not know, like, ha- have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth? But like, he never becomes faint or weary, there's no limit to his understanding. He, he, instead, he gives strength to the faint. He, he strengthens the powerless. He says it's like God doesn't get tired. No, he actually emboldens and empowers those who get tired themselves. So, so again, back to the question is, well, why does God get tired? Or does he get tired? I mean, sorry. It's important to read the text closely when you read it. What, what's not said or implied? It says in verse 2, read it again. It says, so the heavens and earth and everything were completed. And on the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Not, not once does it say God needed to rest. Nor does it imply that God got tired. Well, why did God rest? Well, reason number one I'll give you this, because he had completed his work. He says over, it says three different times, God had completed. What did he say right before? He said it was very good. Like, I, I, I've, I've made perfection. 
God rested because he had finished what he set out to do. It was complete. That there was no more to be done. Which, which opens another Pandora's box for you right here. Could, could God have done more? Could God have created more? What, what's your answer to that? Think about that. No? Oh. So there's something God can't do. This is called an, an omnipotent uh, paradox. In other words, things that you set up that really put God in a fine pickle. Like, here's one. Have you ever heard this before? Right here. Could God create a rock so heavy that not even he could lift it? Be careful how you answer that. Think about it. We'll throw a rock. No, I'm just kidding. We'll throw rocks at you. Here's another one. Same thing. Could God make a bean burrito so hot that not even he could eat it? Or, or my favorite. This is one we always did when we were youth. Right here. Could God beat himself up in a fight? Could he beat up Chuck Norris? That's a whole different discussion right there as well. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, C.S. Lewis, a guy who's a great philosopher, said this. At the end of the day, absurd statements or arguments are still absurd even if you attach God's name to it. But the reality is, why did God finish right here? Because God, a perfect God, makes a perfect world, and he called it perfect. What do you add to perfection? Nothing. What's needed? Could God have more? Well, he could have, but at what point? It's like there, there's nothing more needed. God created exactly what he set out to do. The second reason God rested is this, is for our benefit. Look at verse 3. It says what? He, he blessed the day. What? God blessed the day. You, you realize blessings are never meant for yourself. No, no one ever blesses themselves. Man, you know what? I feel like blessing myself. I'm going to go out and get me some raisin cane. Like that, that's not. <laughs> blessings, blessings are for other people. God set apart a day for our blessing. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, Jesus would say this in Mark chapter 2, 27. He told him, he said this, said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Why, why did God create a holy day? Why did he create a Sabbath rest? It, it wasn't for himself. It was for us to rest. The best way I can understand this is in 2019, my family took a trip with my in-laws to, to Disney World. Anybody ever been there? Lord bless you, right? We went there, and we, had, we were trying to get the most bang for our buck out of the week. And a friend had told us, hey, here's, here's how you do it. To get the most out of the week, you get up early, early, early at the butt crack of dawn. Can I say that from the pulpit? I'm going to say anyways. At the early in the morning, at the rope drop, so you can get the most out of it. You go all day. My girls were little this age. And, and around noon, when it's hot, you come back to the room. You take a nap. You rest up. And then when it get, you, after that it starts cooling off, you go back out of the park and get the most out of the day. Sounds good. Until you tell some little girls who've been walking around Disney World all the time, hey, we're going back to the hotel to nap. You know what they tell me? We don't, we don't need a nap, Daddy. We're fine. We're fine. And we're like, no, we all need a nap. Like, Mommy's nap. Daddy needs a nap. We're, we're taking a nap. We're not going back out unless we all nap. Now, listen. Not, granted, me and my wife probably need a nap, but we, we could have made it. Well, why did we go back and do that? Because my girls needed it. That They needed a rest. Well, why does God create a seventh day of rest? It's not because God needed it, because God was short or something. He understands the need for mankind. So why does God rest? It's for our own benefit. It's because he completed. And so when we understand that God on the seventh day creates an example for us, what it looks like to rest, what it looks like to stop, the question we have to ask is say, well, well how did he rest? What did it look like? And when you look at verse 1, it says this. It says, so in the heavens and things, uh, sorry, it says, yeah. Uh, so the heavens and the earth and everything were completed on the seventh day. God, first and foremost, he rested by completing his work. How, how could God be finished with all his work? Because we see in verse 31, it says this, God saw all, and what was it? He said, it was good. He saw everything he'd done. He saw it was complete. He says, good. In other words, listen, God 
was finished and satisfied with what he had done, to what he had set out to do. You see, I don't know about you. I'll just speak for me right now. It's easy for me to never be finished and never be satisfied. I get to the end of the week, every week, and go, man, if I could just do a few more things, next week would be so much better. I know, I know my work day's over, but man, if I could just get these things done, man, next, my life, I, I'm going to get behind if I don't do this, and I keep going, and I keep going. Enough is never enough. And some of us think, man, maybe there's some stage, some place, some wealth I'll get to in my life and suddenly be enough, but I just don't think it's true. As a, as a matter of fact, back in 1937, there was a guy named John D. Rockefeller. Anybody heard of this guy? I sure hope you have. Well, one of the wealthiest guys that ever lived. He founded the Standard Oil Company. He was a billionaire, first billionaire of the United States. If you were to take his financial wealth of $1.4 billion and put it in today's economy, he would be worth roughly $340 billion. To give you perspective, he would be wealthier than the top two people in the world, both Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. If you combine their, their, their net worth, he had more than both of them. And one day they asked him, with all this wealth, all he had, and someone came and asked him, said, uh, Mr. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? Look like, when is enough? You know what his response is? I know some of you heard this before. He said this, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And, and listen, we live in this pursuit mindset that says, listen, man, if, I could, if I could just do a little bit more, my life would be better. And, and if you're like me, when you get to that little bit, guess what? There's just a little bit more. There's just a little bit more. But God set an example that at some point he said that there is a finish and there's a stoppage for what I'm going to do. The second thing you see with God is this, is God blessed and set apart a day. You see that in verse 3, what it says is God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. That God blessed and set apart a day for rest. Think about that. God blessed the day. At the heart, the Bible dictionary says this, at the heart of God's blessing is God's presence, God's protection, and God's favor. God set a set a specific day that says, listen, there's going to be a day a week that if you will honor this and respect it, you will find my presence. You will find my blessings. You'll find my favor in your life. How many people keep walking around and we're missing that and lacking in our life? No, that God intentionally declared it holy. Holy means set apart. It's different than all the other six days. There's one day that should look tragically different than all the rest. He intentionally and dedicated it, set it apart for himself. I don't know about you, but I'll again speak from my own life as this. Listen, it's easy for me for all my days just to blur together. Monday through Sunday, there's no difference ultimately in what it looks like. I, again, going back to COVID, this was never more real whenever things started going on lockdown and my girls are at home, we're having to teach from home, we're having to work from home, we're not able to meet in person and stuff like that. My, my wife and I would start at 6 a.m. and go every day till 10 o'clock at night trying to juggle working here and at the same time working with our kids with school and getting things just lined out to the point we would get to days and go, what is today? I have no idea. Oh, oh it's, it's Wednesday. We, gotta get, like, we would begin to lose what's going on. And if you're working, you're pursuing the American dream, which is not bad in and of itself, but Lucite, listen, your days easily get blurred together where you, you don't even, there's no difference in Sunday for you. There, there's not one day that you can say really looks blessed and set apart from God. The, the third thing I want you to see is this. Not only did God complete his work, not only did God bless and set apart a day for rest, but, but understand this, God rested from all his work. That word rested doesn't mean to, to gain back energy. 
It means to cease, to stop, to, to rest, to build back, to, to get that, that restful energy back. That, that's a byproduct, of, a byproduct of ceasing work. Instead, it says God rested. What does it say? I encourage you to underline in verse uh, 3, at the end of verse 3, it says this. He rested from what? From all his work that he had done. All his work. Understand this. A God who could do more chose to stop. Could God have done more? Yes, he could have, but he chose to stop. Why? He said, this is good. Like, listen, I'm completed. I need, there needs to be a stop. A world that depends on God to survive stopped, and it still survived. Think about that. I, I don't know about you, but again, speaking of my own life, it's easy for me to convince myself that my world cannot survive if I stop for one day. If I stop this one day, like, all eternity of my life would fall apart. Tomorrow, the next week, man, it's going to mess everything. I have, I have to keep going. And the God of the universe, where the world depends on him to make it turn, make it work, come together, says, listen, I, I did it. But like, think of our stories. Think of my story. Who sounds like they think they are God here? It's me. The world needs me. My world needs me. I can't stop. There's, not, there, I, there's more and more that needs me. Rest reminds us who God is and who is not. And I'll ask you, like, what, what does your rest look like? What, what is your one day a week where you set apart and said, God, this is, this is yours? Which brings us to the practical question, how, how do I rest like God does? Like, Eric, you're telling me I need a rest, but, but I have no practical thing. Like, do I need to sit around and sing praises all day? Is, do I need to read my Bible today? Do I need to not do anything? Do I need to go back to Old Testament Jewish way of doing it where I can only take so many steps? What does it look like? Well, if we follow the example God set for us, it's as simple as the three things he did. First and foremost is this. Listen, complete. Every week you need to come to some point where you finish your week through good stewardship. You, you need to come to some point in your week where you stop and are satisfied with what your week has done. And, and the problem with most of us, why we can't do this, isn't because we can't, it's because we haven't stewarded our week well. We haven't sat down and mapped up and said, listen, if I truly want to rest on this day, here's what I need to get done. And here's, at the end of the week, what I need to be satisfied. And if every week you keep coming, and you're not satisfied, you're not complete, listen, you're, you're trying to be God. You're taking on too much. You need to Stop. It's, it's, it's poor stewardship. How, how many of you honestly sit down in your week, look ahead and say, listen, but by Saturday, by this day, I have to stop. My, my household, I'll share more about this in a minute, Friday is our day. You might say, why well, Sunday? I, not, I love being here, but this, this, is, this is a little bit of work. This is a little bit of joy for me. And so we have a day for us Friday. And so we know for our household, we need to get our stuff done Thursday. For me, my beast of burden that I, that's a love relationship I love doing, but it also a challenge, is getting a sermon ready. Every single week, I, moment I know, once I finish my sermon, man, I know I'm complete. We can make it through the weekend. We'll be okay towards next week. I never come to a point where after Thursday, I'm still working on it. It's done. The moment I wrap it up, I send it on to Grant, it's done. It's done. It's in the Lord's hands now. There's some point in your life you have to say, I'm going to be satisfied, I'm going to stop. We have to complete. The second thing we have to do is this. We have to enjoy. What a foreign word for us, right? Enjoy. We have to dedicate a full 24-hour period for a day of rest and worship. One full day. Not, don't cheat it out of something less, but for 24 hours straight, you set aside to enjoy. What do you mean by joy? Like, what do I mean by rest and worship when I talk about this? 
In his John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says this, listen. He says, when I Sabbath, I run each week actively through this twin grid. Is this rest and is it worship? He says, if the answer is no, or, or kind of, but not really, or um, then I simply hold off. There are six other days to do that. But every week I go and say, is this rest, and is this worship? Now, many of us get hung up on the idea of worship. What does that look like for us? He says this, I love, he says, often people hear the word worship, and they assume that means singing Bethel worship songs all day while reading my Bible and practicing intercessory prayer and fasting for 24 hours straight. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? But he says this, he says, that's all great stuff, but I mean worship in a wide, more holistic sense of the word. Expand your list of spiritual disciplines to include sleeping in that morning. How how about drinking coffee, reading your Bible, pray more, spend time together with your spouse or loved ones, talk, laugh. In the summer, go take a walk in the park. In winter, make a fire. Get lost in good novels on the couch, cuddle up, nap. Even in the Jewish language, they had a word for resting, for taking a nap on the Sabbath. It was called Shabbat Shaluf. Go, go take a good Shabbat shaluf sometime that day and just take a nap with God. Do, do anything. The point is this. Do anything that indexes your heart toward grateful recognition of God's reality and goodness. Whatever in your life causes you to stop and be grateful for God and to see what he's doing in your life. It goes back to what's the big idea. Rest is stopping what you've been doing to enjoy what God has already done. It, it, it's stopping. For, for, for me and my family, I'll share more about that in a minute, but we, we have some point we stop. You might say, well, how do I do it? Well, you have to intentionally consecrate a day and guard that day as holy. You have to set it apart. You have to hold to it as something of value, and nothing will shake this. Now, do things come up? Yes. If life tried, listen, we're going to adjust, but at the end of the week, we guard this as best as we can. For our family, it's Friday, and we have started letting people know, hey, guys, Friday is our Sabbath. We have 24 hours. We, we stop. We rest. And at first, people pushed against this. Family came. But listen, the more we became to guard that, people began to guard that for us. My family would start saying, oh, this is your Sabbath, man. Enjoy. Hey, we'll, we'll get you tomorrow. It's not a big deal. I'll never forget, not picking up, Brian Sewell called me one day, and I answered my phone on Friday, and he goes, what are you answering your phone for? I go, well, you called. He goes, it's your Sabbath, right? I go, yeah. He goes, hang up. Talk to me later. I mean, like, listen, here's the thing. Listen, people will begin to value what you value and hold to for you what you hold to. But, but, but you've got to guard it. You've got to protect it. You've got to see it as a sacred day for the Lord. The last thing is this. You complete, you enjoy, but most importantly, and this is where I struggle with, is this. You have to stop. You have to make sure you completely stop from whatever it is you've been working on that week. Stop. Too often we do what's called a rolling stop. I had a friend in high school that failed his driving test three times. Three times. You know how embarrassing that is? And all three times it was the exact same reason. What happened, he found out when he would go, he'd come to a stop sign, he would do what's called a rolling stop. In other words, he didn't really stop. He just slowed down a little bit, looked both ways, and kept going. And right when he passed, the instructor says, go on back, you failed, sorry. And on the third time, he was furious. He was like, listen, why do you keep failing me? Like, it's, what's the difference? And they began to explain to educate him, listen, when you rolling stop, you're not really stopping to take in your surroundings. 
you're not allowing all five senses to take in what's going on. When I drove a school bus for a living, one of the things we were required to do when we came to a train track, you had to stop Open your door, open your window, look both ways, smell, t- I mean, literally take in all five signals and say, is it safe for me to keep going? And too often when it comes to our Sabbath, we do a rolling stop and we never really stop and appreciate what God is doing. You're cheating God. You're cheating yourself. Let me just check these emails real quick, man. Let me, uh, listen, nothing's going on. It's a downtime. Let me just check this real quick. Let me take care of this one. Let me make this quick phone call because I really need to get back to him. You find some way to cheat the Sabbath. And you're cheating yourself. Ultimately, listen, if you want to come to find joy and rest, it's this. Rest is stopping what you've been doing to enjoy what God has already done. Um, For our family, Fridays is a Sabbath we fell into. You see, my work week is Sunday through Thursday. And we have Friday and Saturday off for years. My wife taught on Fridays, and so I just be at home doing whatever sort of stuff. And when my wife started working here as the children's minister, we, we started having Fridays off. And we didn't realize how the Lord was blessing us. And Fridays for us, suddenly, we, man, we, started, we started going on dates. We, had, we would go on like a date once every three months. We never had time for that. So now every week we had a date day. And suddenly we would go pick up kids, and suddenly we have unadulterated time. And the Lord began to teach us about Sabbath, and we fell in something that began to guard it and realized, listen, we have a day in our week that we need to guard. And we began to say, listen, Friday is our day. We, 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 for us, spend time with our family, our kids. Every Friday, we've named it Friday. Starts out, we drop off the kids. Date day Friday. Hey, hey. <laughs> we get excited about it. Me and my wife go on a date. We spend time. We talk about relationship with the Lord. Talk about what God's doing. We do the best we can not talk about work. That's hard when you work together, I'm telling you right now. We go pick up our kids from school. And our day immediately for us transitions to Family Fun Day Friday. Yes, we named it. We name everything in our house. Family Fun Day Friday. And we do something for our family, do something fun, do something to orient ourselves. Sometimes we talk about, we've gotten to where some, we watch The Chosen to, to, to just discuss what's going on. We've gotten to where my kids look forward to this day of the week, man. This is just a time we stop. And listen, it's not just about us enjoying ourselves. It's a time when I'm sitting here and appreciating, man, God, you have blessed me with a beautiful wife. Thank you so much. You've, you've blessed me with the kids. You've blessed my household. That Look, look, we're able to enjoy in this beautiful never. You've blessed my time. And this time right now, man, I think every aspect of my day is reminding me how good God has been to me, what God is doing all around me. It's an intentional day. For, for me, it, it may be going mowing my lawn even because it's still a restful thing for me. It doesn't mean you don't work at all. It means you're stopping whatever work you've been doing for the entire week to stop and say, this doesn't need me for one day. God is God. I'm going to let him be. So some of you are, are worn out. I, I, I know it because I've been there. You, you've just been going and going. And, and you believe that there's a carrot at the end of the stick, right? Someday you're going to reach that place where you're finally going to rest. And listen, I'm, I'm just telling you, you're not going to find it. You think retirement's going to get it? I, I've seen a lot of these guys around here that retire. Can I tell you something? They're, they're just as busy as they were pre-retirement. It doesn't work that way. You have to create a rhythm in your life. The question is, what will you do? And you'll see as the weeks to come how valuable this is to our walk with God, our appreciation of seeing how God is blessing us, our witness to the world, all these things. As the band comes up, I want to say this. Listen, some of you are are, are literally, I can tell, sitting on the edge of your seat hungry for this. And the only thing stopping you from doing it is, is you're not doing it. 
you're not guarding it. And there's some of you who are guests the first time you're checking out this church thing or you've been coming to church doing all the right things. Listen, can I tell you something? This idea of rest sounds good to you, but Scripture makes it clear. Like, rest comes from the Lord. It comes through Jesus Christ. He is our rest. In absence of him in your life, listen, you truly cannot rest. You might be able to do restful things that look like rest, but God's blessings are not fully part of your life. It only comes through a relationship you have with him. And today, your decision may need to be to come forward and say, listen, I need to give my life to this Jesus you're talking about. And so I just want to ask where you're at. If you just take a second, allow the Lord to speak with you, however that is. Maybe you need to close your eyes so you're not distracted. Maybe you just need to sit. Maybe if you're with your spouse, you guys need to talk for a second and say, hey, this is something we need to do. What does this look like? But I want to give you a second just to reflect and process. I'm going to ask if you would do that. Whatever it is you need to do to focus on what God is speaking to you right now when it comes to rest. And what it looks like for you to just stop what you're doing to appreciate what God has already done. Maybe the questions you're thinking through is, I don't know what this looks like, and you need help. Man, listen, come talk to one of us. We'd love to just process with you what it would look like in your life. I can tell you from experience, for many of you, what you're feeling, God did not create you to live that way. He didn't create our world to be that way. So you can either trust what the world says, hey, keep going, keep going, keep going, just keep doing it. You'll get to that carrot at the end of the stick where you can come trust in God and say, God, listen, you have a different rhythm of life and I want that. How will you respond? I'm going to ask if you just continue to take a second. I'm going to make myself available. We've got one of our elders up here, Pete, myself. We'll have others available. We'll have other leaders in the back that would love nothing more just to pray with you. Maybe you need prayer for this, encouragement. Maybe you need to accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today so you can truly find rest. Whatever it is, I'm going to encourage you to do that. So I'm going to pray over you. And then after that, we're going to just, Grant's going to lead us in worship, and you just continue to process as you want, and you reflect and respond when you're ready. Father God, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for shoving me and my family into rest, into Sabbath.